Hello and welcome to Glens Falls Today Morning Brief. Our top story today, the city of Glens Falls continuing to examine the possibility of overnight parking. I'm Gary Scott and today is Tuesday, March 28th, 2023. Other stories in the morning brief today, the Greenwich Future Farmers of America chapter's 34th annual farm toy show, Hickory Hill Ski Center remaining open due to the recent snowfall, a new tuxedo and suit shop in Lake George, a Saratoga correction officer accused of sharing confidential information with an inmate, and a reenactment of the 1757 raid on Fort William Henry. But first, before we get into our stories, I want to let you know that if you're looking for a place to advertise your local business, Lens Falls Today could be the perfect solution. Our goal is to provide free and convenient access to important local news, but more importantly, we want to support and represent our community, and what better way to do that than by helping to spread the word about the great local businesses in the greater Glens Falls area. For example, I would like to thank one of our community partners, Dorazio Peterson Law Firm in Saratoga Springs. They believe in educating individuals about their legal rights, empowering them to stand up for those rights, and guiding them toward the right decisions in difficult situations. Because legal troubles are never one size fits all. And if you own a business in the area as well, you could advertise with us on our website or even right here with me on The Morning Brief. For more information, head over to our website at glensfallstoday.com. And thank you for making Glens Falls Today your source for free local news. And don't forget, you can now get yourself a copy of the official Glens Falls Today quarterly business report. You can find one of those at Spot Coffee in downtown Glens Falls, and we've got more drop locations on the way, so I will keep you posted. The Greenwich Future Farmers of America chapter hosted its 34th annual farm toy show on Saturday at the Greenwich High School. The Postar reports Toy Size, John Deere, Farm All, International Harvester, and Case Farm Equipment shared tables with toy cars and trucks, farm memorabilia, and a little bit of almost anything else. Mike and Doreen Winkleman of Moreau displayed part of their collection of tandem double-axle dump trucks, with some vintage toys for sale as well. Mike said, quote, I had them as a kid. I chose tandem axle trucks to narrow my scope. I don't have a big enough house for every kind of truck. Winkleman said he started collecting 10 years ago. He said he would get them at auctions, eBay, Etsy, Facebook, from other toy shows, or from other friends in the hobby. He enjoys restoring and modifying the old trucks, and likes the history behind them. John Deere dealer United Ag and Turf, which recently opened a retail center in Easton, donated door prizes and consignment items for the event's farm toy auction. Employees Nick Lash and Rick Randalls were staffing a long table full of miniature green and yellow tractors and farm equipment. Lash said, quote, We've been doing this for five years. Every year it just seems to get bigger and bigger. Two big farm dioramas were set up against the gym walls, reproducing agricultural landscapes with miniature barns, houses, fields, roads, tractors, trucks, and animals. Todd Rossi from Grand Gorge in Delaware County chose an autumn scene with realistic cliffs and turning trees for his backdrop. Surplus sisters Muriel and Doreen Gluck from Argyle are making pet and ID tags to order with their mobile engraving machine named Ima. Their featured tag was a green Farmers Feed America tag. Muriel said their slogan is, you don't need a dog to have tags. After a two-year pandemic layoff, the sisters were happy to be attending events again. Muriel said they prefer fundraisers to vendor events and added that last year they attended 110 events. Members of the Greenwich FFA chapter started planning the toy show in January, according to chapter reporter Alyssa St. Mary, a junior at the school. 
Chapter Vice President Kylie Lundberg was chair this year, organizing 10 to 15 FFA members to do registration, organize the food concession with the school cafeteria, coordinate vendors, make signs, and staff the event. Lillianne Bergharn, the chapter's co-advisor, said that the students pretty much do everything. Along with United Ag and Tech, Capital Tractor donated door prizes and items for the auction. She said Capital Tractor also delivered tables donated for the day by the Washington County Fair. The toy show took two years off due to the pandemic. It returned last year in a scaled-down format, and this is the first full year back, according to Chapter President Noah Davis, a junior. Vendor numbers were back up to 45 to 50, Berghorn said FFA members were serving food, the pedal tractor pull was slated for noon, and the 2pm toy auction had about 100 lots waiting for bidders. Davis said proceeds fund the chapter's activities, including attending state and national conventions, its banquet in June, and sending members to Camp Osgachi in July. Closed for six recent winter seasons due to unseasonably warm weather, Hickory Hill Ski Center is now experiencing an influx of adventure-oriented skiers due to recent robust snowfalls. According to Sun Community News, Hickory is open this season on a 24-7 basis, with self-reliant skiers registering at a self-service kiosk and signing a waiver before they can have fun skiing. As the historic ski center has no lifts running this season, people trek uphill, then ski down one of their various trails, repeating the cycle as long as they wish, enjoying the quiet, peaceful ambience of nature. This winter, snowstorms have intermittently deposited up to 26 inches of snow on Hickory Slopes, most recently just this month, which provides ideal skiing conditions. Hickory General Manager Sue Katena said while 20 or so skiers have routinely visited Hickory on weekends, triple that number have been skiing at Hickory following the heavy snowstorms. As of Sunday, more than a foot of snow covered the slopes, and in addition to skiing, Katena said Hickory will likely soon have a new reason for people to visit year-round. A craft brew tap room is to begin serving the public in their ski lodge's newly renovated lounge, Johnny B's. The beer is the product of a new craft beer brewing enterprise titled Hickory Hill Brewing, launched by area residents Ted Prime and his son Tyler, who will be operating the tap room. Katana said they are in the process of setting up a brewing operation in Queensbury's Airport Industrial Park, and noted that the Primes are now seeking a zoning permit for their brewing operation and a state license to serve beer in Hickory's Lounge. Meanwhile, the father-son duo is brewing up initial batches of craft beer elsewhere to perfect their recipes, and Katana noted that the father is a longtime stockholder in the Hickory Hill Ski Center. She then added that the Primes are planning to title their beer varieties after the names of ski trails on Hickory Hill slopes. Katana said that she and her crew opened up a cafeteria-style food service operation at the ski lodge last summer, and it has now evolved into a cafe. She said plans are underway to engage in cross-marketing with Revolution Rail's Railbike Excursion Enterprise. Hickory's Cafe will be offering prepared lunches for railbike riders to take on their journeys to Stony Creek, as well as accommodating Revolution Rail's guests before and after their scheduled trips. Also under development at the Ski Center is a professionally designed 18-hole disc golf course, which is expected to be ready for the public by July, the same target date for the craft beer taproom. Now, before we get into our top story, I want to remind you again that you could advertise your business with us at glensfallstoday.com or right here on The Morning Brief. As our business continues to grow and develop, we strive to help other local businesses do the same. We want to help you spread the word about the great services that you have to offer our community. For more information, visit our website at glensfallstoday.com. Safety and emergency service officials continue to work on safety concerns for overnight parking in the city of Glens Falls. 
The Post-Star reports Fire Chief James Schrammel, Police Chief Jared Smith, and Tom Girard, City Department of Public Works Field Operations Manager, were all in attendance at last week's Special Projects Committee meeting. They each gave their opinions on the board's idea of trying to introduce overnight parking between the hours of 2am and 6am at their meeting last Tuesday. Schrammel said, quote, I think not only should we weigh in on the idea, the community should too. Some of our issues with the fire department is the city having a lot of narrow streets, so they're already limited in the ability to pass through. Schrammel, Smith, and Girard gave Mary Gooden, committee chairwoman and fifth ward councilwoman, as well as the other members, their recommendations for proper safety and ideas that might work for the city. Smith said he had little to no concerns about the board's action, saying the department would back the laws the city officials propose. Schrammel added concerns about needing their largest trucks to be able to access homes if there ever were a fire emergency. He said snow could also add trouble to the mix during the winter. The tankers that respond to fires need a 16-foot clearance on both sides when making turns, making it difficult to have parking on the streets when large snowbanks are present. Gerard agreed, but said that 24-hour on-street parking could be possible for all months except November through April. He said, quote, I'm not against on-street parking overall, I just think it will be too difficult to try to have when there's snow falling. Ben Lapham, committee member and 4th Ward Councilman, said he doesn't understand how adding four hours to on-street parking will generate a large impact on parking in general. Gerard said that people wouldn't vacate their spots as often, giving an example of someone returning from work and not moving their vehicle until the weekend is over. He said, quote, People will leave their cars in the roadway. It's human nature. If they come home from work on a Friday and have nowhere to go until Monday, they won't move it. The Post-Star reports the Special Projects Committee decided to start having two meetings a month, allowing the meeting to expedite the time of completion of the project. The group will now meet on the first and third Tuesday of the month at 2pm in the Mayor's Conference Room on the second floor of City Hall. The next meeting is scheduled for Tuesday, April 4th. A new shop in the village of Lake George is looking to keep visitors well-dressed, whether local or just passing through. Already sounds like my kind of place. According to News 10, last week tuxedo and suit business Stay in Tux opened a new location on Route 9N in the town of Lake George. The ribbon was cut on Thursday at Stay in Tux's new location at 2315 Route 9N. Owners Cheryl and Todd Smith purchased the business under a previous name in the summer of 2021, rebranding it and getting it all dressed up for a move. The shift to Lake George started late last year, and the owners bring a history and wedding attire to the location. Cheryl Smith said, quote, I love weddings and being a small part of someone's special day. I believe I have trained my whole life for this and just needed the chance to do something with all of my training. The business offers tuxedos, suits, and accessories ready for proms, weddings, or other formal events, or if you're like me, just any old Tuesday. Attire and measurements can also be communicated for pickup from afar. The store is celebrating the opening with a free shoe rental with a mention of the ribbon cutting. Lake George Regional Chamber of Commerce and CVB Executive Director Gina Mincer said, quote, Stay in Tux provides a valuable service to the entire Lake George region for weddings and special occasions. There are several hundred weddings that take place in the Lake George region each year, and it's a growing business opportunity. We will continue to promote the area as a premier wedding destination in the Northeast. Well, I've got a wedding to go to soon myself. Maybe I will stop by and take a look. A Saratoga County Jail Correction Officer was arrested on Friday after being accused of sharing confidential information with an inmate. According to a news release from the Saratoga County Sheriff's Office, while employed as a correction officer, 23-year-old Michael Millington of Greenfield is accused of providing confidential information to a county jail inmate without authorization 
which created a substantial risk of injury to another person. The Post-Star reports Millington was charged with two misdemeanors, official misconduct and second-degree reckless endangerment. Millington was processed for the two charges and released on appearance tickets. He is due back in Milton Town Court at a later date to answer the charges. He was also suspended from the sheriff's office pending a disciplinary hearing. In the news release, Saratoga County Sheriff Michael Zerlo said, quote, I will not tolerate any amount of misconduct from any of my employees. Law enforcement officials are held to a higher standard as they should be. This arrest by no means represents the other fine men and women who come to work every day here at the sheriff's office to protect and serve the residents of Saratoga County. But when an employee crosses the line, I will not hesitate to act. And finally, a bit of a history lesson for this last story. 266 years ago, in March of 1757, Fort William Henry was attacked by 1,500 French regulars, Canadians, and Native Americans, which a contemporary witness noted in his journals, quote, for America, should be regarded as a real army. According to the Lake George Mirror, Francois-Pierre de Rigaud de Vaudreuil, the French commander, hoped to drive the British from Lake George. Had he succeeded, Montcalm's attack later that year would have been unnecessary, and the massacre that made Lake George the most famous battlefield in the colonies, and the inspiration for Cooper's Last of the Mohicans, would have never happened. On Saturday, Vaudreuil's raid, as the attack has come to be called, was reenacted at Fort William Henry. According to historians, Fort William Henry was garrisoned in 1757 by both Rogers Rangers and British regulars, although Major Robert Rogers himself was recovering from smallpox in Albany. Fort William Henry historians tell us, the force from Kirillon, known today as Fort Ticonderoga, traversed a frozen Lake George, arriving at the head of the lake on the night of March 18, 1757, hoping to surprise the garrison. If the raid was successful, the British would be thrown off guard and perhaps prevented from expanding into Canada. According to Fort William Henry's staff, sentries at the fort heard a tapping noise, which turned out to be the advanced troops testing the strength of the ice. The fort immediately began firing their cannons at the noise and forced the French off the ice. Over the next two days, Vaudreuil demanded that the fort surrender, but this was met with more cannon and gunfire. Realizing he could not take the fort, he turned his attention to buildings and stores outside the fort's walls, burning a sawmill, boats, firewood, and provisions. The raiders then set out for home on snowshoes. But then, a storm, estimated to have dropped three feet of wet snow, hindered their progress north, and many reportedly suffered from snow blindness in the following days, as the spring sun shone brightly on the new snow but by the end of March they were safely back in Montreal. Although the reasons for the raid's failure are many, one cited most often involves a St. Patrick's Day celebration hangover. Knowing that the Irish soldiers would still be suffering from the after-effects of the holiday, Roger's stand-in, John Stark, withheld the Rangers' ration of rum, guaranteeing that they would be in fighting shape when the attack occurred. And that is all I've got for the morning brief today. Again, I'm Gary Scott for Glens Falls Today, and as always, thank you for listening. Our goal for the Morning Brief is to provide you with quick and convenient access to the most important news around the Greater Glens Falls area, so if you love the show you can support us by subscribing, leaving a 5-star review, and recommending us to a friend. Thanks again for tuning in, I'll be back tomorrow morning with more local news you need to know. I'm Gary Scott, and this is Glens Falls Today Morning Brief.